there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Advanced Medicine Monday continues now with our good friend and uh, someone we look forward to every week, Dr. Rashid Batar joins us now. Welcome back, Dr. Batar. Hey, Robert. Great to be back as always. Always a blast to be with you. Hey, you know, we, you and I cover sometimes this pre- presidential politics. I call it political healing, and I cannot ignore, as we launch today with you, uh, about the physician running for president. Because in the last debate, they were actually trying to almost bring up his age again and he was very, ron paul was very funny about this as he said to wolf Blitzer, hey there are you know there are laws against age discrimination you don't push this too far but prior to that it was very funny he says listen i i'm willing to give up my records but uh well there's not that much to give up i've been thinking about bringing up my medical records and i i don't know where to go i i know i don't know who has my medical records they're all in my head i don't have i can't go to a physician and say hey print out my medical records because you know we have a lot of physicians in the family and i have uh, i don't take any medications and and so therefore i don't have a medical record the guy he's 76 years he's not taking any medications does this how much more do we need to know that this guy is more qualified than anybody he's following the words of thomas jefferson in fact in that little video i was mentioning to you before we went on air robert mm-hmm. the one it's called blowback there's a narrator that says thomas jefferson lives his name is Ron Paul. And mm. as you know, one of my favorite quotes from Thomas Jefferson was, when a people allow a government to dictate the foods they put in their mouths and dictate the medicines that they put into their bodies, their souls will soon be in the same sorry state as those who live under tyranny. Right. And this, is, this man is living those same words that Thomas Jefferson spoke because he's not allowing the pharmaceutical heaps of chemicals and mm-hmm. all these th- different things that tax the liver and tax the kidneys and tax the gastrointestinal system and tax the skin and the, virtually every detoxification pathway is impaired. The P450 system, the entire cascade of events that take place when we start taking a drug, which are inhibitory in nature, which we've talked about before, they're not allowing the system to function better as a supplement would, which enhances the pathways. These things actually inhibit, they right. block, they, they prevent those reactions from taking place. So, he lives it on so many levels. I mean, it's not just his political and his economic viewpoints and his foreign policy viewpoints, but even how he dictates his own body. Yeah, he, he challenged the, the other candidates on stage to another bike ride. He says, come on down to Texas in the summer sun, 25 miles, let's go. And, and Newt was very quick to say, oh, I know you're healthy, because I don't think Newt yeah. ever gets on a bicycle. I, I don't think Newt could go one mile on anything. <laughs> no, like, you know. he was like, yes, he's healthy, that's okay. And, he, and they all started to agree with him on so many things. But it was really amazing. Think about it, 76-year-old American. I've talked about my mom. By the way, happy birthday, mom, a day out. of She's now 78 on zero meds as well, no drugs. And he, he he goes on, you know, and says, "Listen, where would I get it? I've got I've got family members that are doctors. He probably maybe sees them if they need if he needs somebody. He's got like well, less than a page. I'd have to come up with. I'm not on any drugs." Well, he How- said that. He said that in the debate. He said, "I'll be happy to release my medical records." He goes, "I think it may be one page, if that even." <laughs> yeah, I mean, how many? Goodness gracious, how many seventy six year old people do you do you hear with that kind of 
medical background. And I'm not saying he's out there eating 100% organic food either, because I know he's doing the campaign trail. He's doing the best he can. But look at what he can sustain with the kind of way he lives. You know, Robert, I don't know what Ron Paul's daily habits are. I know he, he exercises on a regular basis. I know that he eats well, but I would like to think that he follows my nine steps to keep the doctor away. Well, he's doing something, right? Because the doctor's, I mean, a one page or less, you know, release. I mean, there's nothing in there. And, and you know, at any age, as we see, it's almost like become your patriotic duty when you turn 40 is to at least be on one statin drug, for goodness sake. <laughs> Well, you know, the thing is, in actuality, the patriotic duty of every U.S. citizen is to maintain the maximum health they can. In the words of some of the holy books out there, I know they say this in the Bible, in the yep. Quran, mm-hmm. in the, the Torah, in, in, certain, in a certain way they'll say it, that the body is a temple and treat it as such. And if we took care of our bodies, there would be no need for medication. There yeah. would virtually be no need for medication. The only place that I can see... The role of any pharmaceutical is in acute medicine, three, seven, maximum 10 days. Anything beyond that, mm-hmm. the, your body was not born with a deficiency of a drug. Yeah, well, that, that is uh, God's honest truth there. And, you know, I have a family member uh, by virtue of marriage. He's in, his, he's in his 80s now or just turned 80. And very recently, um, let's see, he was on, let's see, a statin drug, I think, Two drugs for the prostate, Proscar, Flomax, and a baby aspirin a day kind of thing, right? 81 milligrams or so. Uh, He had a heart issue or a blood clot potential issue 10, 11, 12 years ago, and he just had it again 10, 11, 12 years later. And it's not like that he wants to be on these medicines, but it's just like anything. You you go with the people, and certain generations have put their faith in the medical community. And so we're dealing with, you know, the the exact opposite in some sense. you got a 78-year-old uh, a mom like mine and on no drugs. You got a 76 year old like Ron Paul and others that you know as well that it, it is an anomaly now and they're the exception to the rule, those that are not on any meds, even at 50, for goodness sake, much less nearing 80. Well, you know, it's interesting that some people actually don't want to be on these medications and they didn't come to the doctor saying, hey, doc, I've got this problem or that problem. They were told, oh, your blood pressure is high, or oh, your cholesterol is high, or whatever, and they're told to start taking these medications. They didn't complain. They just went in there for the routine check. And I'm not saying that the doctor being proactive. In his world, he's trying to do something right, but more often than not, it's actually being detrimental. But it's really interesting that so many patients that have come to me with a certain complaint, Mm -hmm. and we start their treatment, and their first or second question and this is the first visit we're talking about, Robert. Yes. People ask, is there any way that you can get me off my medication? It is one of those things that weighs heavily on their minds. And I don't think that the medical profession realizes that the vast majority of people, they truly have this issue that weighs on them because psychologically, there's something, just think about this. If all of a sudden you realize you've been told by a higher authority, i.e. the doctors, Mm -hmm. that your existence depends upon a pill. Yes. It all of a sudden, you need to be empowered, and you lose that empowerment. Well, absolutely. I mean, the thing is that even if people are very much fans and supporters of doctors as somehow they're, you know, they know everything or know a lot, and we don't know anything, yet there is something 
even if it's not a conscious thing that says, oh, my, there's something wrong here. Now I've got to rely on this. And very often the doctors say, well, now you have to be on this for life. It didn't used right. to be that way. They used to talk about short-term medication. Now it's become very much de rigueur, the, oh, yeah, lifetime of this. You'll be, you just stay on it forever. Like proton pump inhibiting drugs, they destroy digestion. I can't tell you how many people even will call into my show from time to time and say, well, I'm not on any drugs, but, ooh, I had to take that because I just had so much reflux. And I'm like thinking, you know, you're not producing any acid to begin with. Now they're shutting it down totally. And, you know, the layers of these medications, how they came onto being, if you think about it, started with first the, uh, the, the caraphates and the, the coding agents. And then they went to the H2 blockers when the, when the coding agents started failing. And then they went to the uh, uh, proton pump inhibitors. All these drugs built upon each other and kept on making the whole system worse. I don't think there was such a thing as H. pylori 25 years ago, 30 years ago. Why? Because the acid in the stomach was sufficient to kill pretty much anything there. Yep. But the reason that you have all these opportunistic things setting up house is because we are reducing on a consistent basis from generation to generation the level of acid in the stomach, which is God's design of mm-hmm. not only digesting food, but also to basically make everything sterile that we take into our bodies. But we're reducing right. the acid. So now that acid that's one you should be a pH of one and you could eat the copper off of a penny. Yeah. Now it's maybe a pH of four and, you know, has a hard time even doing a fraction of what it's supposed to be doing. Yeah, and you mentioned H. pylori. It's also the, the C. diff, the Clostridium difficile. Yeah, I never absolutely. heard of those infections over the last few years. Suddenly everybody's got them. Absolutely. And the word, Robert, that I was looking for, mm-hmm. when a doctor tells you that you have to, you're going to like this, when a doctor tells you that you have to depend on this medication, you lose your sovereignty, your own mm-hmm. personal sovereignty. Right. The health so, sovereignty issue, which is so so fundamental to this program and everything we do and everything you've written about in the nine steps to keep the doctor away. I mean, all of that is about restoring, establishing, regaining, retaining that which is your birthright. That is health sovereignty. It's it's a interesting phenomenon that we're seeing that the younger population, as we've talked about before, is embracing Ron Paul so well and so strongly. And I think the reason is partially because not only is he speaking uh, the only logical option, but it's also that the message is one that lends to hope that you are able to regain your personal sovereignty. And it's not just medical health we're talking about. It's everything. I mean, if you can't pay for your bills and if you can't get a job, even though you've got a college education, you know, you you feel dependent. You feel like you don't have control. Mm -hmm. And this is part of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, the the need to perpetuate the species, the need for food, for shelter, the, the need to be autonomous and the need to be uh, self-sufficient is something that um, the vast th- – that's one of the things that actually separates us from rest, the rest of the animals, the need to be able to be self-sufficient. And right. I think that that's one of the reasons that the message that Ron Paul has is so appealing to the younger generation. Yeah, I wrapped up yesterday's show on GCN, my Sunday afternoon broadcast, with uh, talking a little bit more about Ron Paul and the concept of the presidential candidates, who's on drugs, who's not. But one of the other aspects, and you mentioned the, the word sovereignty, was the issue of taxation, whereas you hear Santorum and uh, Gingrich and, and Romney all say, well, whatever the code is, we're going to enforce it. We don't like it, but we don't, you know, but they acquiesce on something very important that you own 100% of yourself and your and the fruits of your labor. But this is the, the wrong-headedness of, of a concept of 
income taxation versus taxation, because there is lawful constitutional taxation versus the phony 16th Amendment. And that basically says if you're willing to give up even 1% of your income in this way, you acquiesce to the 100% principle that they own you, and they're just allowing you to keep whatever percentage they say. And that seems to be a fundamental perspective that has been lost on both the Democrats and Republicans, uh, because they basically say, eh, yeah, an income tax, we don't like it, but yeah, it's normal, we're going to enforce it. And of course, the basis of America is the sovereignty of the people and not the king. Exactly. I mean, this is the this is one of the major, major principles that the United States was built upon, that a man's labor is not taxable. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, I've even had my son, my seven year old, yeah. ask me. I mean, you know, it's like almost like a contradiction to the Constitution. Here you're talking about taxes. <laughs> you're not supposed to pay taxes. That's what the Constitution says, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, impost, excises, duties, things like that that were lawful within it, and the country got by, as Ron Paul says, plenty, plenty of long time without uh, the, imp- the graduated oh. income tax, which is one of the key planks, by the way, of the Communist Manifesto. People should know that as they're arguing in the Republican Party to, to maintain it or sustain it somehow. Uh, Rob, that's also silly. Not to cut you off, I'm sorry, but you know, mm-hmm. let's forget about the Communist Manifesto for a second. When, when people think about I've I've seen this conversation take place between two parties that are sitting there engaging in a conversation i happen to be not intentionally eavesdropping but i happen to be sitting there yeah and it's it's amazing to me that people say oh you know you need the taxes so that we can pay for this and pay for that we we pay so much taxes i saw the list of things that people pay taxes for and i i think the list was like 70 different taxes that we pay we don't even re- we don't even realize it everything from sales tax to use tax you know gasoline tax phone tax computer mm-hmm. tax we property tax we have every, everything is taxed and so fine you tax all this stuff and in fact they have the you know you buy a more expensive car you pay more more taxes you pay buy a more expensive piece of clothing you pay more taxes whatever the case is so you pay taxes and everything but then on top of that i think the calculation was something that when you start taking into consideration all the different taxes that we have to pay and then add the state and income federal income tax and then the fica and then all that other stuff it's something like 89 it's huge it's absolutely huge and there is another concept of taxation. We talk about taxing your immune system, taxing your excretory system. Isn't it interesting that it always indicates a depletion, a negative context, as it should? And so when we come back from this break, we'll talk to Dr. Rasha Batar about the taxing of the immune system. Also, an update on the Leroy 12, which is now 15, including one boy. So stay with us. Advanced Medicine Monday on the Robert Scott Bell Show continues here. RobertScottBell.com. I have all the links up as well as to uh, Medical Rewind, a lot of great videos, and, of course, the great book by Dr. Batar, the bestseller, international now. Uh, nine steps to keep the doctor away. We'll be right back. The Robert Scott, Robert Bell, Scott Show. Bell Show. in the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. We continue now with Dr. Rashid Bittar and of course wouldn't uh, leave out the reference to the bestseller, international bestseller, we should say, the nine steps to keep the doctor away. We were talking about health sovereignty. Of course, health freedom is in there. We, we talked in, in, a, in an interesting way about taxation. And as we went to the break, I referenced the idea of taxing the system. We talk about taxing the immune system, taxing the excretory system. What kind of things are taxing, taking away from us our very life essence? 
Isn't it interesting, Robert, that the application is universal? It's not just to the human body. You tax the human body, you're going to take away resources that the body needs in order to function properly. You're going to create a burden on the system. Well, look at look at it's it's a universal concept. The taxation of uh, in the economical sense does the same exact thing. I mean, I never thought of it, but you know, it's depleting the nation. It, it mm-hmm. weakens it. It puts a burden. It, it's it's an interesting concept, is it not? I mean, yeah. It's, well, uh, it it ra- it rings back the light, the as above, so below principle, and all the things that we integrate here with our discussion on Advanced Medicine Monday when we do Medical Rewind. Why we travel to all of these areas of life itself because all of the principles that apply in healing apply everywhere. But sometimes we just kind of go, oh, the light bulb goes off. Look at how that principle works there and there too. You know. This is such a profound statement, and because I'm a little slow, it took me a while to realize this, but I started teaching this course. It's called Build a Successful Life, mm-hmm. and um, I was trying to figure out why is it that a patient that has cancer, not an advanced form of cancer, maybe stage 2, maybe stage 3A, and has all the organs, the excretory organs, the gastrointestinal system, the liver, the kidneys, they're all intact, and they have a very good prognosis – and yet they don't make it. And then you have, conversely, a person with stage 4 cancer and stage multi-organ system failure. The kidneys are failing. The liver's failing. And yet they come through and they're fine. Why is it that one entity lives and the other entity doesn't? Or, you know, transition. I don't, I, don't, right. I don't believe in death. I think it's a transition that we make. But why did one person overcome the odds and the other one, they weren't, the odds were in their favor and they didn't overcome them? Well, I was trying to decide what is and determine what is the crucial differentiating factor. What is the common denominator between success and what is the common denominator between the ones that fail? And as I went down this path to try to discover what the answer was, it became very evident that the answer was not just applicable to cancer, but in actuality was applicable to all chronic disease. Now, this was something that was profound for me, and, and I started looking at this more. And as I went on and on, Robert, it started realizing that not only does this apply to all forms of disease, it actually applies to all aspects of life, spiritual, family, business, every single thing, education. It, the, the principles that determine success versus failure are applicable all the way around, just as you said, mm-hmm. as above, so below. It's the same thing. I started realizing that, my God, my dad used to tell me to read Napoleon Hill and mm-hmm. Andrew Carnegie. Now I understand why he did. And the course that I started teaching, which um, has – I've done three courses and they've just – we've gotten people from all continents that have come to them, basically talk about those universal principles. And we actually bring up the issue of the fifth toxicity, which is the emotional psychological aspect and how that really creates a tremendous amount of harm and burden – and how the enemy, as Roosevelt said, there's nothing to fear but fear itself, that the true enemy lies within. The right. greatest enemy lies within. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was Roosevelt that said that, right? Or was it Kennedy? I think it was Roosevelt. Yeah, I don't even I, remember it at that point on that one. But e- either way, the, the message is, I think, rather clear at this point. That, that connection that we try to bring to our you know, broadcast program, what you do in your practice as well, to every aspect of your life, is something that is integrating, not disintegrating, not destroying in that way. Although we know that in life there are ups and downs. There are times where things have to be destroyed to return to the earth to come back, etc. But in reality, when people are on the road to, you know, let's say, recovery or healing, applying these principles not just physiologically but in terms of economics, in terms of politics, all of these things, they absolutely 
absolutely are validated every which way you look at them. Absolutely. They permeate every aspect of life, and they're universal truths. Absolutely. Mm. Well, in terms of the universal truth of, of uh, taxation, right, taxing the body, we have a lot of environmental degradation. We have a lot of environmental threats. We can talk about the drugs and the, the, the pharmaceutical threats, but what of the other threats that are there, like what happened in uh, Leroy, New York? Now, you and I have been covering this over the past few weeks as this has been unfolding, and there's updates to give. I, I did a little bit of this yesterday on the show, but I thought we'd uh, uh, kind of hear a little bit of the latest news uh, releases on this because it's gone up from 12 girls. So let's hear this message right now. I think this was an ABC News report. 14 girls and one boy, all from the same high school, are now exhibiting odd tics, verbal outbursts, and fainting spells. I personally have never seen anything like this before. It is very, very remarkable. Dr. Jennifer McVig has treated most of them. She believes this is a form of mass psychogenic illness, a rare but real disorder usually found in young women, where an emotional response to some event is converted into a physical symptom. And now they call that conversion disorder, <coughs> mass psych- psychogenic illness. Of course, now it doesn't make sense because there's also a boy and he doesn't have a womb. So he can't you know, be hysterical. I, how stupid, excuse my French, I, I hope my youngest son doesn't hear this because he'll always say, Daddy, stupid is a bad word. But this is really, this borders on insanity. In fact, just think about this, Robert, for a second. Because I cannot see it mm-hmm. or because I don't understand it, I will just write it off to mass psychosis. <laughs> because I'm not smart enough to figure it out, so it because I'm not smart enough to figure out, there's obviously nothing exists. I mean, this would be the equivalent of a baby that's sitting there and you're playing peekaboo and the baby's trying to hide from you. So he covers up his own face because he thinks that when he covers up his own face, you can't see him anymore. I mean, this is how absurd that logic is. I mean, you've got five, then seven, then 10, then 12, now 14 girls and a boy yes. that are having these symptoms and what do you say? Oh, this must be a mass psych. I mean, what kind of absurd? I can't even believe that a doctor would publicly go out and say that. I, I mean, I couldn't even stop myself from laughing when I heard her say that. Mm. That's it- like basically saying that this doctor just publicly stated that I'm a freaking idiot and I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. Well, could this be a job for Julia Roberts? I mean, Aaron Brockovich. Well, the news report continues here. Now enter the famous environmental activist Aaron Brockovich with another theory. In 1970, one ton of cyanide and other toxic chemicals were spilled from a train just three miles from the future high school. After that spill, Brockovich speculates that when the school was built in 2003, that some of that contaminated soil may have been used during construction. So here we got uh, environmental disasters going back to 1970. I mean, I don't know that we would argue fully against something like that, but three miles away, the school was built in 2003. Now we're seeing 12, then 15. But I, I think Oftentimes, this is used, Dr. Batar, quite honestly, to completely ignore any reference to vaccines, which we will, of course, understand and, 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 and recognize as a, as a major assault as well. Absolutely. And you know, that's one of the fundamental questions is to go back and get a person's medical history. Anybody gets sick, they go see a doctor, they go to a hospital. The first thing you do is obtain their history. Nobody has even tried to if, – if they have tried to obtain their history, nobody's talked about their history. And then, of course, you've got that additional variable where a governmental official – uh, Robert, you mentioned them last time. They came on the news and they said that we know what this is, but we can't tell you. I mean, yes, what yes. Kind of, and what, then the what's parents, that about? 
are all wondering, well, if, if you know what it is, why don't you tell us? And they exactly. say, well, we've, we've told the parents, but the parents say, no, you haven't. Yeah, and and to, if you do know, then it's your obligation to make sure that nobody else gets hurt at the very least. And, well, and they haven't exactly. done that because if they know and they haven't told anybody, and they've let the kids go back to school and now more kids are getting sick, then obviously somebody fell asleep at the wheel. Yeah. I mean, we have entire organizations, you know, Department of Public Safety and, you know, public health officials and all these different people. So what are they doing? They're playing cards? They're playing poker? What's going on? I wonder what they're trying to hide, perhaps. And have we heard from anybody that knows anybody there? What's the word on the street? What are you hearing on your end, Dr. Bittar? Well, I've got people out of the woodwork calling and emailing and texting me, even friends of mine, saying, what are you doing? Why don't you help these people? I'm like, you know, I don't even know how to get a hold of them. What do you mean? You know, and uh, one of my friends, you know, um, she just, she basically verbally accosted me. She said, why don't you do something to help these, these poor girls? And I said, well, I don't know how to get a hold of them. It's not like I have a phone book I can pick up and call these people. And then she said, why not? And then oh I thought, gosh. you know, okay, fine. So I called one of my staff members because I was at home at the time. Yeah. And I said, okay, see if you can reach out to one of the moms and uh, then – you know, through that one parent, whoever we can get a hold of, then we'll see what we can do. But, you know, it's, again, an interesting component, Robert, that the doctor whose role it is to help treat, prevent, educate and, okay. about, about prevention and provide the medical care if necessary, says that this is mass psychogenesis. And yet you've got an attorney who brings up a plausible scenario that could explain all this, now, regardless of whether it is or not. Yes. And I personally don't think it is, but... At least she's thinking. She's at least coming up with something. And that's an attorney. That's not even her job to come up with something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, look at the roles over here. It's it's just really – we live in an interesting world is all I can say. Well, yeah, that's for sure. And, of course, there are a lot of industries that are, are coasting or riding on the obfuscation by government officials that are – quite honestly have conflicts of interest, whether it be – uh, taking economic payoffs outright, or whether it just be to campaign finances uh, to keep them going, that have an invested, a vested interest in not revealing the source or industry, if it be medical and vaccine. Of course, we know why they don't want that revealed. But even in the case of the Aaron Brockovich story with the hexavalent chromium, industry is reluctant to take responsibility for the disasters it puts on there. But ironically, the very EPA or even state EPAs are very much or let's say susceptible to being bought off because the power is in the government, whereas this is the controversy of a Ron Paul where he says, listen, we need to do away with the federal agencies and bring it back down to the state level and allow you know the, the people to bring suits against these uh, big companies that are polluting the water, the air, the, the, the food supply in the local areas and make them accountable so that it becomes much more expensive to pollute than it does to do things right. I mean, just look at the logic of what he speaks of. It is completely logical. In fact, I bet if you brought in another alien species from a different planet and you told them this, they would look at you like, well, of course, this is the only option. What else would you do? Oh, my gosh. Oh, that was and that. You know, remi- Robert, before, before we change the subject, I just want to mention yeah. one other thing. What's really interesting, I have never, ever, ever in my 46 years on this planet, of course, I haven't really followed politics too often and not until Ron Paul, you know, mm-hmm. about – Six years ago when I learned about him. Yeah. But I've never heard of a political candidate that's running for any big office get so much international support. Yeah, isn't there are that people amazing? from England. There are people from, I mean, from Australia. There are people from Egypt. There are pe- I mean, I, and these are people that are like – there's a guy, patient of mine right now that's from Korea. I mean, they're all 
talking about Ron Paul and how they hope he becomes a president. Yeah, you want to talk about putting America back on the so-called shining city on a hill that was a leading example to the world for this this concept of freedom that would literally if not do it all at once it would certainly put us back on the map whereas all this empire and nation building and war i mean we had a, a some audio clips i played last week where in fact it was revealed uh, that there were 72 foreign interventions military interventions by the united states since world war ii 72 different nations have been the subject of our militarism since and world war ii and it wouldn't be so bad if it was just a financial loss, mm-hmm. but it has been measured in loss Lives of lost. life of U.S. Yeah. soldiers. Yeah, and of, you mentioned of our brightest, of our youngest, of our of our healthiest, of our future generations. And you mentioned uh, the uh, foreign species from other planets. It was a very uh, funny thing when they asked. So, Ron Paul, what do you think about uh, uh, Newt Gingrich's plan to put a moon base up there? He says, "I'm I'm not really not interested in that, but maybe I could send some of these politicians up there." <laughs> It was great. It was great. Hey, let's continue with this on the other side of the break. Having a great time, as we always do, with Dr. Rashid Bittar, the Medical Rewind, we call that, and Advanced Medicine Monday, robertscatbell.com. All the links are up there if you ever have a question or comment. And we put it out there again. If you know anybody in Leroy, New York, we want to hear from you. We'll put uh, you in touch with Dr. Bittar to see if we can get some, some answers here where there are none coming through the media and the government complex. And that number here, 866-939-BELL, 866-939-2355. We'll be right back with more Powerful Healing. Rocking the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Well, remind all my listeners up there in Philadelphia, I'll be up there with Tom Woods talking to the 10th Amendment Center crowd, Nullify Now, and I'll be speaking about nullification, a matter of life and death, the ability to nullify the medical industrial complex. Uh, Your life and your children's lives may depend on it. So that's March 31st, Philadelphia. Check it out. I've got the links up at robertscottbell.com. Now we continue with Dr. Rashid Bittar. And of course, we talk about these kids, no matter what the cause is up in their little Leroy, New York. We want to open up detox pathways, not destroy them. There's another story I barely had time to cover yesterday on the air. I thought I'd ask you about it, about the use of acetaminophen, not just as Tylenol orally, but intravenously. I mean, how could the FDA approve such a liver toxic thing given to kids intravenously? Well, Robert, you know, when you figure that one out, let me know because I'd like to know. But it follows, I'm sure, the same idiotic logic or lack thereof that uh, justifies the use of putting toxic substances in vaccines, not to mention that the vaccines themselves are toxic. But anyway, mm-hmm. I think we've talked about that before, haven't we? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's maybe, worth maybe we've touched on that once or twice. <laughs> but it's always worth bringing up again, because how many people are still under the impression that, well, if a doctor is approved to give it, then it must be OK. And of course, you being somewhat of a, a among many things that, you know, I mean, you have as much uh, experience as anybody on the planet, just about with IV nutrition, per se, and other chelation type therapies here, they're giving an incredibly liver toxic substance into the veins of children. Absolutely, absolutely not condonable. It is the, the I, I did emergency medicine for six years. I was a chief of emergency medicine at Moncrief Army Community Hospital. I can tell you that in my emergency medicine career, in my trauma career, I have never, not once, given IV acetaminophen to anybody, leave alone to a child. They are enough routes, oral, you can give a suppository. If the child is that is that febrile, 
mm-hmm. then you better be doing something else and not giving them IV acetaminophen. The most commonly utilized medicine in the world that is associated with the highest level of liver failure is Tylenol, mm-hmm. acetaminophen. It is the most common reason for a person to get uh, have hepatic toxicity. And this is very, very common. People come in all the time into the emergency room. A lot of times people will try to commit suicide and they'll take a bunch of acetaminophen. Right. And all they do is they fry their liver and now they're miserable because it doesn't kill them, but pretty much brings them close to death, but doesn't kill them. And I mean, you see so many people that are trying to, I, I had to even tell a person came in twice like this. Wow. Uh, and I told him, I said, listen, if you're going to kill yourself, then at least kill yourself. Don't maim yourself because now you're just going to be miserable the way you're, I mean, the way you're living. I mean, yeah, it only just, makes the problems that they suffered or perceive they suffered with worse because now they've got to work their tushies off to get a regeneration process going with their liver. And it's interesting. Hundred times worse, Robert. Hundred times worse. In this article, it actually lists the antidote as acetylcysteine. I was surprised they mentioned that because you can get that NAC, for instance, in a health food store. Well, N-acetyl-L-cysteine is going to help, you know, but basically mm-hmm. it's a precursor of glutathione, as you know. And right. uh, of course, glutathione is the uh, largest substrate in the hepatocytes. It's uh, a universal antioxidant found in all cells, but it's the most abundant within the hepatocytes. And so that's what they're talking about. It's not really an antidote. Uh-huh. You know, if you well, say, yeah, not in the traditional sense, as you say. And right, we're encouraging glutathione production, which, of course, we cannot overlook the role of selenium because without selenium, you can't produce the glutathione either. Uh, but it's just like they throw little partial bits out there that like so they can't exactly be claiming right. they know nothing, you know. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's, it's little half truths. And so now the sense in a person's mind is, oh, well, I can take N-acetyl-L-cysteine and that's an antidote for the uh, mm-hmm. toxicity of the acetaminophen. And that is absolutely not true. Uh, you're actually inhibiting the P450 system, the phase one, phase two portion of the liver that is responsible for breaking down many of the substances that we ingest, the drugs mm-hmm. and such. It, it prevents the liver, it prevents essentially the oil filter from working. What would happen to your car if the oil filter went out and it's not working anymore? Well, that's what happens with the liver, except it's worse. Right. And so the usage, I mean, the first thing, my question is, what is the justification of using a substance like acetaminophen if you, if the person can't swallow it, then you put a suppository in their right. rectum. Why are you giving it intravenously? Or, or even the fact that we would know before you would have to resort to anything like that, that there are so many other things we can do to address fever that could be dangerously high or uh, address even pain issues. There are other ways to go before we put that as a first resort, which it seems to be in modern medicine. Well, Robert, here's the thing. I can tell you right now, there's going to be somebody that's going to sit there, some smart aleck, ER doc that's going to say, well... You just don't know because when you're in that situation, you have an acute febrile response and they're having a seizure or something. You know, if somebody's got a fever that high that they're having a seizure, then for God's sake, give them intravenous saline. Mm-hmm. Give them room temperature saline. That's going to bring down – I mean, it's a core temperature issue. Well, then bring down the core temperature. Give them IV fluids. Right. They have increased right. insensible losses due to the fever. That's why we have to bring the fever down with IV acetaminophen. No. Give them intravenous saline. It will bring the core temperature down. Sure. And if you're really concerned about it. Chill the temp, chill the, chill the patient. Uh, yeah, bring the core temperature. Down. Or that too. Yeah, and I, I of course utilize homeopathic phosphorus for adults to reduce fever and inflammation. In, in you know homeopathically, and children belladonna is very commonly given, and it would allow for healing to continue. Obviously, you're also talking about extreme situations that they'll often say that they're in, so they might not ever consider anything like natural. Well, Robert, that, that would that would assume that would make the assumption that they know the level of knowledge that you have, and yeah. so you know we're just talking about forget about. 
homeopathics or nutritional <laughs> substances because this is beyond their capacity to even understand or comprehend right now. <laughs> We're just talking about in the conventional sense, within right. the conventional means that they have other, other at, ways at to their go. disposal. Give them yeah. fluid, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, they say, forget about it, right? Forget yeah. about it. Yeah, this is amazing. And, and yet they would attack physicians such as yourself for saying, wow, maybe selenium would be a better option here in terms of uh, helping them recover from it. Just name the disease, for instance, right? And here they are acknowledging that they're killing patients with this intravenous form of acetaminophen. It's just an absurdity. Um, uh, it's just compounds. One is absurdity on top of another one. And the one thing is that I'm hoping that Newton's law of physics is going to come into play soon, that you know whatever goes up must go down. So the level of stupidity that we're achieving, I, I, I figure it's going to hit the peak and it's going to come falling down. And you know, we'll, again, we're talking about 2012, that age of golden, uh, the golden age that we're about to enter. Mm-hmm. And I hope that uh, that's the reason we're seeing these increasingly foolish things that are being done because it's just the last-ditch effort to try to make uh, the status quo survive or help the status quo survive but we know that it's not going to yeah exactly hey parents go to the emergency room robert now and they insist on seeing what the doctor's doing they don't trust the doctors mm-hmm. uh, you know they, they they take an active role they don't just take the doctor's word anymore and i've heard doctors talk and they grumble you know well you know patients don't listen to me and of course, my response is, well, why the hell should they listen to you? Wow. See, you're such a popular guy in that field. Yeah, I really am, aren't I? <laughs> well, you know, we love you here, and that's why I appreciate it. This, this, this part of the week is so great to kick the week off because – uh, we occasionally we get to be irreverent about very serious issues as well, and you know find the humor in it. But uh, you know, the, obviously, these are very serious things. There's an interesting bill in Florida I want to bring up. I know you haven't read about this yet, but I'll, I just want to uh, put the scenario out there. What's happening here? And I call it the like the 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 wrestling worldwide wrestling federation smackdown. It's the doctors versus the pharmacist. Now, normally you'd think they would want to work together, right? And I often say go to the pharmacist about the drug because they'll probably know more than most doctors would. But in this case, it's a battle of who can vaccinate, right? The pharmacists want more money coming into the pharmacy because it's all an economic thing. But within that monopoly, it's a turf war because they've allowed the pharmacist to give out the flu shots. I mean, heck, anybody, you go in a sixth grade kid is giving you flu shots now in pharmacies. It's ridiculous. But now they want to say, hey, we want to also inject, uh, let's say, give, give us another. Hey, how about a shingle shot? Can we do that too? How about pneumonia shots? So what's your perspective on this? They're all racing to do the wrong thing. I think they should allow the pharmacists and the doctors to give any shots they want to each other. <laughs> and I think we'll solve the problem once and for all. <laughs> That's great. We've solved that problem. You see how quick that was? They bring it up, boom, he's got the solution right there. By the way, I have that linked up. It's through Kaiser Health News, KHN. And uh, it's like I said, it's interesting, the turf war that occurs within a monopoly system because – you know, remember the reason why healthcare is so-called unaffordable. First of all, it's not healthcare; it's disease management. Second of all, it's a monopoly. Government's all over and in it and out of it and everywhere. And no prices ever go down in a monopoly. That's why, again, coming back to Ron Paul, the only guy who says, "How about trying freedom for a change? Freedom, all the doctors to heal, all the homeopaths to heal. Let them all do it. And now you have options. You have options, and you have what made this country great, which is free market. It's the free markets that made us." the greatest nation on the planet. Mm-hmm. Imagine having access to all of these options. It doesn't mean you have to take it. I mean, there are a lot of people that go, eh, energy medicine, homeopathy is crazy. Well, you don't have to buy it, right? Nobody's going to force you because you don't now have the government Im- imposing a monopoly that says you have to use homeopathy, right? Like they say, you have to use drugs, you have to use vaccines. That completely changes the equation. And now that everybody would genuinely be competing for the so-called healthcare dollar, 
you would have to see a price drop and more affordability would be coming into the system. And I have argued there would be much more charity available. Well, there's one other thing you forgot. Mm -hmm. There would be much more efficiency. We would be getting actually results because those people that aren't going to get the results, nobody's going to go to them. So you're going to eliminate the waste and you're going to get more efficient healthcare. Yep. Efficiency, affordability, all of these things that, you know, I come back, it's like, how is it that anybody is considering anybody else but Ron Paul? But it tells I, I, I exact. I truly feel the same exact way. It just tells you how much we are uh, basically altered by chemistry, by fluoride, by drugs, by this, by also, you know, mass media interventions, etc., that those that are awakened, those that are listening to this show or read Natural News and have, and have read your book, probably much more inclined to see these things much more clearly than the typical toxic American. No, I totally agree with you, Robert. What's interesting also is that, you know, when you start looking at the number of people that leave the United States for other forms of health care, the documented number of people that leave the United States, and I think we've mentioned this before on the on the Medical Rewind show, but mm-hmm. it's over a million people that leave the United States for health care. We rank right now between 34th and 36th in the world in healthcare. That is a sorry, sorry state of affairs when the United States ranks 34th to 36th in healthcare. Mm. Look at my practice. I mean, I have patients from well over 70 countries. I don't remember what it was. It was 72 last time I checked, but it's well over that now. I mean, that's like almost half the world we have patients coming from. Mm. It's not like we're advertising this. So why? Because they, these people want options, they want results, and they're willing to go wherever they can go to get that kind of help. And if we open this up, the free market aspect that we just talked about, you allow, and I don't know whether this is maybe the right way of saying it or not, but you allow a universal principle again to come into play, which is survival of the fittest. And I don't mean fittest meaning, you know, what I mean is the survival of the fittest within those that can provide the healthcare. Mm-hmm. So if, a, yes. if the chemotherapy is not getting results and it's too expensive and it's hurting people and making them miserable, then chemotherapy will not survive because it's not the fittest. It doesn't compete in that free market. Yeah, well, very well said, too. And that's the thing. That often they say, well, that's cruel, that's heartless. But the, what the, what's cruel and heartless is mandating a system that is completely bankrupt, not just economically, but from a physiological standpoint, the killing of the patient or the chemotherapeutic, if you will, chicken. You know, see, see if the patient survives longer than the, the cancer cells. Yeah. That would drop away in a free market. It's just an abomination. And the good thing, again, is that I feel that it is coming to a close. And honestly, I think that Ron Paul, although he's not an integrative or holistic or alternative, whatever you want to call it, he's not one of those type of doctors. He's a doctor in the truest sense where he believes in prevention. He believes in doing what the body needs. And his own example of not being on any medication and not needing any medication because he does what I bet you he's the fittest out of all four of those candidates. Yeah, even the, even the plastic Romney guy who looks sort of younger. But, yeah, you're right. This is a very important point to, to make that the living examples, if you will, as opposed to those that are basically verbal examples of nothing. But uh, yeah, we'll get into that. But, anyway, free markets on tap here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. We'll be back to wrap up this week's Advanced Medicine Monday. Having a great time, as we always do, with Dr. Bittar. Check out all the links at robertscottbell.com, including a beautiful banner there. And if you go to the archives, if you happen to be listening to this by downloading from the archives at naturalnewsradio.com, you'll see there's a link to Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away as well. Just click that. You'll be able to plug into everything and more. We'll be back to wrap it up after this. The Robert Scott Bell Show.
work in the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, as we dance through many uh, realms and areas of healing here with Dr. Batar every week, and that's why it's a, it is truly advanced medicine on so many levels. Uh, Dr. Batar, how do we, let's say, take some of these concepts into uh, practicality? I mean, are they, we talk about roadmaps and, and ways to get there, you know, and I know you're always given that and provide that and making it simpler for people. Well, actually, you may remember, Robert, probably two, three years ago, I told you that I was in the middle of a project called, in fact, we use the word map in there, a head map. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned it in my book. Unfortunately, it took a lot longer than we thought it was going to take. It's almost taken five years, but it's a very advanced algorithmic application of a neural network to essentially decide where a person's ailment starts, what the etiology is, what the causation factor is that starts their problem. And it's called the AHEAD map. It'll be at aheadmap.com, like to go forward ahead in life. Uh-huh. Map. So A-H-E-A-D map. And AHEAD stands for Advanced Health Evaluation and Assessment for Detoxification. And then the word MAP stands for MAP is Medical Assessment Program. And essentially the goal in this uh, AHEAD map is that an individual answers certain questions regarding specific components in certain parts of their body. Like, you know, have you had this problem? Have you had that problem? It's a very, very detailed question. It takes about 45 minutes to an hour to fill out everything. Mm -hmm. And the person then gives their answer, but it's a point scale, basically, you know, that it happens never. It's never happened. Or it happens rarely, which is defined as once every month. Or it happens occasionally, which is defined as once a week. Or it happens more frequently than that. And this point system that's given and then it goes through this neural network. Everything gets calculated out and everything is weighed. And basically it allows the provider or actually disallows the individual mm-hmm. because they're going to get instant feedback. It will tell them where in their body the issue starts with the premise that detoxification is the key and that we're focusing in on the primary organs of detoxification, which are the kidneys, the liver, the gastrointestinal system, and the skin – and then we also address pH. So those are the five things that we're zeroing in on. And anybody can take it. It doesn't cost them a dime. It, you know, we figured it's going to be close to a $300 value that we've assigned to it because it's essentially like a person coming and sitting down with myself or with my associate, uh, Jane Garcia, or, or sitting down with another healthcare provider and going through it and getting all these questions answered. We've done it so it's automatic, so it's user-friendly, and um, we're really excited about it because we're very, very close to getting this launched. Well, I'm excited, too. I can't wait to have the links up for that. You talk about assessment. People are literally from all over the world listening to this each week, and not everybody has access you know, or can travel to where they can get access to this kind of support. So anything that puts the power to heal back in the hands of the people, that's what we're all about here. And certainly, Absolutely. And uh, the beautiful thing, Robert, is exactly that. It will allow the person to know right away that this is where your problem lies. And there's mm-hmm. certain solutions that we're going to have there that literally they can go out to their local um, grocery food place and get a couple of these things and try doing some of these things themselves, you know, just to like a coffee, a coffee enema, for instance, or a sure. liver pack. We'll have instructions, just certain things where they can, again, hopefully mm-hmm. regain their sovereignty. You got it. You brought it right full circle where I wanted to go, bringing the health sovereignty back to where it belongs as it always has, at least since uh, the concept came about in the American Revolution, this concept of sovereignty with the people as opposed to a king or a government. And, of course, health sovereignty has to be tantamount or, or paramount or that, that starting point, because without it, you find yourself enslaved to others who maybe some of them have benign intentions, but a lot do not and would rather see you maintained as a slave, medical or otherwise. Absolutely. 
Well, how about the people of Australia? Do you think they'll be open? You're going there really soon. I want to let everybody know, once again, if you're listening down under, which we do have a lot of listeners down there, that you'll be in there. I know we talked about Adelaide last week. Do we have confirmations on everywhere you're going to be? You know, I still don't know exactly. I know I'm giving three lectures. That's all I was told, but I'm not sure exactly where. <laughs> Just point me in the right direction, right? Right. <laughs> I, I know exactly it's how I feel when I'm at the Health Freedom Expo. I got to do so many introductions and panels and, and discussions. I'm going to be speaking on the HPV issue and clearing it and, 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 and uh, medical uh, detox of the vaccinations, as well as uh, we now have approved to talk about the scam of HIV tests. So there's a lot of stuff happening out there. That's pretty exciting. I mean, the more information that gets out to the people, the, I guess I guess we really are the reason that a lot of people don't trust the doctors Oops. is because we're promoting more and more of that information of regaining you know, control over their own health care. So maybe we're the instigators, huh? Well, you know, we, we sleep well at night. I know you don't sleep much, but you sleep as much as you need to from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, the point is peaceful sleep because you know each day you've done something to contribute positively to provide a, a tool or tools for others that they can go out and help themselves and others and you know listen that honestly it feels great and those that are trying to keep a, you know in the enslavement going those are the people that need more and more drugs just to be able to maintain some level of artificial sanity well you're definitely right on target with that i sleep very soundly when i do sleep i have no problem sleeping and um, and the only time that I can, the last time I remember that I actually had a problem sleeping, Robert, was when for, a, for one day out of that three and a half year battle with the medical board that cost me over seven million, that one day that my attorney almost, he's a great attorney, um, but that he almost talked me into compromising with the devil. And wow. that was the only day that I can remember in the last 10 years of my life where I couldn't sleep. Wow. And I actually, I actually stayed up the whole night because I couldn't sleep, but, uh, right. Nowadays, when I stay up all night, it's because I got work to do. <laughs> exactly, it's a whole different thing, and and that's why we get to get along so well together because of that no compromise perspective, uh, and you know we don't suffer the people uh, lightly that would compromise their principles on these fronts. That's why we talk about the things we do, and Doctor Batar, that's why I'm so grateful we can hang out together every week. Well, Robert, I am too, and maybe that's why we love Ron Paul so much. <laughs> well, I think it's the same guy, same thing. He doesn't compromise principles. That's what we're all about, and we hope that's what you're all about. And if you listen every week, you probably are. And we appreciate you being here. Listen, until uh, next week, of course, we've got lots more shows this week. Health Freedom Expo coming up. A lot of events. If you're in Australia, we'll have the links up for Dr. Batar as soon as we find out those other ones. Remember, the reason we're doing this is because the power to heal is yours. <laughs>